When we share someone's story here on The Diaries, the episode might end, but their story doesn't. So many of the people we've talked to, they've gone on to do incredible things. They have epic adventures and make significant impacts in our community. Over on Diaries Plus, we're catching up with some of our former guests to see what they've been up to. I recently sat down with Connor Ryan, a Lakota professional skier from our Sacred Slopes episode, who's been knocking out groundbreaking projects ever since the episode aired. It's really incredible. We had a great discussion about the impacts he's made, what keeps his fire burning, and taking ski lessons as a pro skier. Here's a snippet of the conversation. All the source of joy that I use to fill my cup to be out in the world doing positive things comes from my relationship to the outdoors. And so I really focused on like, wow, like there's so much power if I can give one person the relationship to the outdoors that that I have through skiing. And maybe that will have as profound of an effect on them as it's had on me. To listen to the full episode, use the link in the show notes to subscribe to Diaries Plus today. Yeah, you get more shows, but you also have a peace of mind of powering what's out there right now, keeping us moving forward, keeping this community together. So thank you for everyone who supported and everyone who's going to support. We appreciate it. Hey, folks. This episode contains a brief mention of self-harm. Take care while listening. I climbed to the top of a granite boulder, sat down crisscross, and pulled out my journal and pen. After finishing my camp chores for the day, it felt good to finally relax. I took a moment to take in my surroundings. There was about an hour of sunlight left, and its rays painted the pine trees around me in a warm hue while a nearby creek bubbled and churned. I took a deep breath of the fresh Sierra Nevada mountain air and said a prayer of appreciation for the beauty around me. Then I started writing. I first reflected on my journey thus far, letting my thoughts freely flow. I left Yosemite Valley to embark on the John Muir Trail alone two days prior and was full of nervous excitement, constant self-doubt, and uncontained happiness. It was my first thru-hike after all. Now, at the end of day three, my emotions started to reach equilibrium as I fell into the rhythms of trail life. The grip homesickness had on me loosened as I connected with fellow thru-hikers. Setting up and tearing down camp felt less of a burden and more of a natural part of the day. My body was slowly adapting to my new nomadic existence. I then started to sketch out song lyrics to a hypothetical love interest when my hand hesitated, unsure of what to write. My mind raced as I struggled to choose between two words, two words that reflected a decade-long internal struggle with who I was. Should I be dedicating my song to him or to her? I grew up in a Christian household. I never felt smothered by religion, but it was still a large part of my childhood. My faith became a cornerstone of my identity, and I subscribed fully to the teachings of my church. 
it instilled in me some of my most cherished moral values, humility, grace, and love. However, when it came to sexuality and marriage, my church held strict beliefs. I was taught that God intended only for men and women to be together. So by the time I hit puberty and started to realize that I was attracted to boys, I was immediately filled with shame. I fought against myself, praying every night for a cure to what I thought was my disease. I wondered what I did to be cursed with these unacceptable feelings. I desperately hoped that it was just a phase. I believed that once the perfect girl came into my life, my desires would course correct and my same-sex attraction would disappear. Around the same time, I joined the Boy Scouts and quickly became an active member of my troop. I found that the internal storm raging inside of me quieted to a whisper when I was overtaken by beautiful experiences in nature. Trips to the open and empty desert mystified my soul and quieted my mind. The old and stoic pine trees shared their wisdom with me while camping in the San Gabriel Mountains. Swimming in the frigid Pacific Ocean brought all of my senses to life. I quickly equated my time outside with God, as it was the one place where I could find relief from the feelings that I believed were sinful. And the more time that I spent outside, the greater my faith became intertwined with the outdoors. When I thus decided to embark on the John Muir Trail 10 years later, it represented more than just a grand adventure, an extended wilderness experience, or a challenging athletic feat. It was a surrendering of my soul to God. I sat on that boulder filled with turmoil. My same-sex attraction wasn't supposed to rear its ugly head in the outdoors. I didn't know what to do, paralyzed and lost in my thoughts. For a split second, I considered honoring my sexuality for the first time and writing the song for him, but I couldn't do it. Surrounded by so much of God's creation, I couldn't go against the teachings of my church. I quickly dismissed my initial impulse and wrote down her instead. I buried this moment for the rest of my hike, chalking it up to a blip in my otherwise harmonious relationship with nature and religion. I finished my trip two weeks later and returned to the rhythm of everyday life in the city. That moment of questioning faded to the back of my mind. Until four months later, when my queerness began to haunt my dreams. Deep in REM sleep, my subconscious mind broke down the religious and cultural barriers I placed around my heart, and I could fully give in to myself without judgment. On the precipice of my 24th birthday, visions of love shared with another man and friendships with fellow gay Christian men filled my sleeping brain. Unlike my more whimsical dreams, these felt honest, true, and real. But then I would wake up and immediately be filled with disgust and shame for indulging in my sinful desires. I prayed for forgiveness, pleading to make my attractions go away. And they would for a while, until once again my sexuality would find its way into my mind when I was fast asleep. Finally, after one all-too-real dream, I jolted up awake in the middle of the night. My body was shaking and covered in sweat. Sitting at the foot of my bed, I stared at my clammy palms. I had reached my breaking point. After running from myself for over a decade, I now had to turn around 
and accept the fact that I was gay. Over the next few weeks, I felt like a shell of myself as the building blocks in which I had formed my identity toppled over. I was left to sift through the rubble. My faith, which before felt indestructible, was now in shambles. I felt angry, lied to, and betrayed. In my darkest moments, thoughts of self-harm crossed my mind. I felt as though my previous self was false and the things that used to make me happy no longer sparked joy. Nature lost its luster. The mountains, deserts, and beaches that once felt like home were now foreign to me. The love I had for the outdoors turned to apathy. My desire to be outside disappeared. I was losing my religion, and with it, my relationship with the outdoors. As I came to terms with my queerness, there was still a part of me that did not want to just give up on my faith. I devoured podcasts about people sharing similar struggles with religion and sexuality, which provided emotional comfort and showed me for the first time that I wasn't alone. I read books arguing that Christianity and homosexuality were, actually, compatible. These gave me the proof I was seeking for what I knew in my heart all along. I shared my story with my old youth pastor who introduced me to an inclusive church. Stepping within its walls, I felt a deep sense of belonging with the other patrons, many of whom were also LGBTQ Christians. I was finally free to fully express myself with all my complexities and contradictions. Amid my spiritual transformation, I slowly forced myself back outside, hoping to rekindle the sense of wonder that I had lost. I went for runs through urban trails near my home and revisited local mountains. I stared at the stars in Joshua Tree National Park and dipped my toes in the Pacific Ocean. But the love failed to return. I no longer felt God's presence in the wilderness. Coming to terms with my sexuality caused a distinct split in my life and identity. I began to believe that my love for the outdoors was a relic of a past self. I was terrified that I would never share an intimate moment with nature again. Since the beginning, my relationship with the wilderness was intertwined with my relationship with God. The outdoors was divine, sacred, a reflection of God's perfection. So when my spiritual beliefs got upended, all things I considered holy, including the outdoors, were uprooted as well. I was putting in the hard work building back my faith, but was still chasing after a connection with nature based on my old identity. Instead of trying to rekindle a long, drowned-out campfire, I needed to build a new one. I therefore excavated my earliest memories outside for new insight. The fast friends I made beach camping as a child. Fresh mountain air hitting my nose for the first time. The spirit of adventure exploring the desert. The peace that flooded my soul as I sat watching the sunset in my parents' backyard. I remember feeling God in these moments. 
But maybe it wasn't just God that I was experiencing. Maybe it was the joy of sharing the outdoors with others and finding solace in small things. I took friends backpacking for the first time and felt their excitement and awe as they experienced the magic of the backcountry. I found a partner who felt a similar pull to the wild, and together we formed a hiking group, fostering connections between people from all walks of life through a shared interest in nature. I fell back in love with the outdoors, not through my faith, but outside of it. I still believe in God, but not the same one that I was taught as a child. The God that I subscribe to now does not persecute me for my sins, but instead accepts and loves me unconditionally. My view of the outdoors has evolved as well. It's still a place to experience the divine, but it's so much more than that too. It's a space for community, rest, imagination, wonder. I sometimes like to revisit the pages of the journal that I took on the JMT. They serve as a sober reminder of the harm that bad theology has on queer people like me and an understanding that many suffer far more than I did. But they also rekindle some of my best memories. Maybe God was behind these moments, maybe not, but it doesn't matter to me anymore because they're perfect just the way they are, just like nature and just like me. I'm Andrew James Schultz, and this is my short. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing your story. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, we please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Jason Tyler Burton, Padem, and John Barry. The tracks are courtesy of the artists or track club. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Lauren Delaney Miller with additional production help from Ashley Langholz and Becca Cahal. Artwork by Walker Cahal. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. I'm Fitz Cahal, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.